Well, good morning. It's been a rough enough night out there. Take it easy on the roads today. They were looking at referendum concerns on today's programme. Chanel, indeed, that big decision that um, Mr. Burke has made. Today also we're looking at movement on the pesticide rules in uh, Europe as well. We're looking at a centre of excellence for sport on the old airport site as well. And we're kind of giving headlines with Dave O'Connell today. We're also looking at the availability of alcohol is causing major concerns. We've got pet talks and much more on today's programme. Comment lines open if you want to get through to us. 86 It's a wet Thursday. We'll brighten it up for you. Stay with us right through until 12 midday. No, very good morning to you. If you want to get through to us, you can do so on 086 And uh, we're going to go to the current situation um, in uh, the country, indeed. The referendum's coming down the way, and the former Minister for Justice, indeed, Michael McDowell. And um, Senator joins me this morning on the um, programme. And we're going to take his views on this, and he joins me on the line. Uh, Senator McDowell, good morning to you. Thank you, Lee, for joining us uh, today in the programme. Good morning, Keith. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us uh, today. We're in referendum uh, mode, so we are at this stage before we go into local election and um, European elections and otherwise. Uh, What's your take on it? Are you asking people to vote no on this? And if so, why can I ask you? Well, I'm against making the two changes to the Constitution that are set out in two bills which are going to be put before the people on the 8th of March, okay. um, which the government chose as the date for this uh, because it was International Women's Day. One is to take out from the Constitution uh, a reference to the state um, uh, endeavouring to uh, assist women uh, uh, who, um, who want to remain in the home um, and who do not want to be uh, forced by economic necessity to work outside the home. So that's the the the, um, the, the minister considers this a sexist uh, proposition and the language uh, to be uh, dated and, uh, and the, the National Women's Council has called it misogynist. Uh, I don't agree with that. I think there are people who want to remain in the home and to... Uh, uh, to to look after their family and that the state should attempt to assist them rather than force them out because of economic necessity. So is it dated language then, can I ask you, Michael? Yeah, it, it could be dated language. I mean, uh, but one of the problems is that the uh, objections to this particular article was that it didn't talk about men's duties in the home. Well, um, that's true, and uh, but if the government had been really worried about that, they could have talked about parents' duties in the home. But what they're doing, in fact, is they are um, taking away um, uh, what is an important uh, provision in our constitution, and that is that the state is uh, obliged to endeavour to assist parents who uh, want to remain in the home to do so, um, uh, and not to not to be forced by economic necessity to make other choices. It took them quite some time and right down to the wire to get the wording right on this, but do you believe they've got the wording wrong now? Well, um, that's a very interesting point, Keith, because what they actually did was um, they uh, came forward with wording which didn't correspond with uh, what an all-party committee which had looked at the issue had uh, recommended. And then they 
pushed it through both houses of the Oireachtas in a matter of hours. They used what um, parliamentarians call guillotine motions, yes. which effectively say um, we're pushing it through. There's no point in having a debate. There's no point in having um, uh, debates on the uh, amendments to the wording. Uh, we'll, all, we'll decide it in each house, uh, the, the, the wording of, of the amendment, in three hours, which, you know, means that uh, individual uh, TDs and senators had, had a matter of minutes to make comments and uh, the, the, uh, the debate was brought to a halt in both houses by a single, um, a single uh, resolution. But can I ask you just from a legal point of view, because your background and... and uh, but I mean, if, it's in, if the constitution's changed or not changed, what does it do to Mary in Clonburn or to Julie over in Castellon Heights or Turellan Heights? What day-to-day difference does it make to people on the ground? It will make absolutely no day-to-day difference to Mary and Clonburn or to anybody else. Um, and uh, it is purely uh, symbolic. But uh, it, it will do the following, though. I mean, in, in 1980, you, you may um, remember that there was a, a famous tax case in which the Supreme Court struck down um, part of the income tax code, which discriminated against married people and favoured uh, single people with the same incomes. Mm-hmm. And it relied on the, these articles to do that. Um, it also, I mean, at the moment, for instance, there's a presumption that it's the mother receives child benefits that's a that's a um a presumption it can be reversed in certain circumstances and um when we come to, in future to um uh you know uh, legal uh, rights for people to work from home and schemes in the public service for people to work from home the provision that people shouldn't be obliged to by economic necessity to work outside the home may be of relevance in strengthening the case for um stay at home parents to have extra uh, entitlements to work from home. Can I ask you, what do you mean by economic um, necessity? What, what, in, in what regard are you talking about that? But that's that's what's in the constitution at the moment. It says um, that uh, uh, that the state should um, endeavour uh, to assist parents uh, who um, do not want uh, to leave the home but are obliged to do so by economic necessity. So I mean, people who who feel <clears throat> that they have to. Uh, take you know um, take a second job. Parents who have to take two jobs in order to pay the rent and to uh, keep their f- family going. Right. They may they may look to the state and say, well, why aren't why why are we um, paying uh, why are we paying you know taxes, huge rents, and uh, why are we or are we not getting sufficient assistance to actually uh, for one of us to do parenting back in the house? But it's a very valid question to ask, isn't it? With all the taxes that we're paying. Well, it is a it is a it is a valid question to ask, and uh, in in the Murphy case in 1980, the Supreme Court looked at this particular article and, and relied specifically on it, even though the language is slightly archaic, to say um, that uh, you know it wasn't possible for the state to tax two single people in a in a manner which um, which uh, um, was less favourable. Um, than uh, the way in which a married couple with the same incomes were taxed, and they struck down uh, provisions in the in the uh, income tax acts at the time. So this isn't uh, you know a toothless piece of rhetoric. It ha- the courts have relied on it in the past. And when you say symbolic, then uh, Michael McDowell, Senator McDowell, when you say symbolic, it's it's um, if they haven't got the wording right, there's opposition to the wording. It's symbolic. But, it's it's very well, it's an expensive little run out now. 
Well, it's going to cost 20 million. And, you know, yeah. I thought it might be wiser instead of doing that to say, for instance, cap the number of TDs at 100, whatever it is at the moment, 166, rather than keep increasing it every time there's an increase in population. Um, but uh, this is something that they have chosen to do. And the problem with it is this, that, uh, you know, um, at present, the the, the article um, 41.2, even um, uh, Susan Denham, the former Chief Justice, said it doesn't um, uh, constrain women in any way. It doesn't say women's places in the home. It's untrue to say that the Constitution says that women's places in the home. It merely said that the state was to endeavour to assist parents who wanted to uh, uh, con their parenting in the home um, from being obliged to do otherwise by economic necessity. Uh, somebody said, if, it's that, if that's the case, you'll have no one wanting to go out to work if they want the state to assist with them staying uh, in the home. But the current... No, well, I mean, uh, that, that's, that's an extreme view. I mean, all yeah. I'm saying at the moment is that this, I mean, for instance, children's allowance is paid to, um, uh, to mothers who want to um, uh, look after their children rather than being paid to the father or whatever. Um, likewise, uh, you know, we, we have maternity leave, which is specially, spe specially focused on women mm -hmm. uh, rather than just simply parenting leave, which is kind of uh, uh, indifferent as to which gender is involved. Um, but uh, those, those kind of measures are, um, if you like, outward signs of the state's obligation to endeavour not to force people out of the home into the workplace uh, in a manner which um, violates their uh, um, desire uh, to, you know, be in the home for parenting purposes. And I mean, it's, it's, I mean, nobody's suggesting that, by the way, it's also the case that the Constitution says that men and women equally, and this is in Article 45, um, uh, have, the, have the right um, to, to earn livelihoods. So there's no suggestion whatsoever, that women are less entitled to work outside the home. It's merely to say that the state should assist people who um, are find themselves being forced out of the home by economic necessity um, to, uh, to, to make the other choice. Can I ask you, I mean, you're, you're a senator, you're also an eminent barrister as well. I mean, have they gotten this wrong? Um, and should they go back, or is it too late to go back to the drawing board? Well, I mean, it's, it's too late now because the whole the the, the system the, the the minister fixed. You see, what happened was they fixed the International Women's Day as the day on which they were going to hold the referendum. Then they discovered that the uh, new um, electoral commission said, "Excuse, excuse me, uh, we we need time to prepare for this referendum to carry out our statutory duties." Yeah. And, and then the result of that was that they they simply um, railroaded. The two bills through the through the houses of the Oireachtas without pre-legislative scrutiny, with uh, in a matter of hours, three hours to discuss all the amendments of which there were, I think, um, of the order of fifteen in the Shannad anyway, and it does simply uh, wipe them out with a single vote at the end. Um, so, it, uh, unfortunately, Darrow O'Brien then, as the minister with responsibility, in, um, he fixed the date for the referendum. So legally, it can't be stopped now. But the real question then, then there's the whole question, Keith, of the um, of the extension of the meaning of family. It's proposed to um, uh, uh, change the meaning of, of the term family in the constitution so as to extend it to um, families which are not um, uh, founded on marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, 
the, the minister was has been asked repeatedly, well, what kind of family arrangements will suffice? And, and he keeps saying, um, it'll be for the courts to decide this issue. Well, um, you can't just simply say that the courts are going to, uh, in future, decide who does and who does not uh, constitute a family and in what circumstances. So to give you an example, at the moment, since 2010, couples who cohabit in um, uh, in what is called a committed and intimate relationship for uh, five years, um, they they can, as between themselves, have certain rights of maintenance if that mar- if that uh, relationship breaks up okay. um, and, and, and rights to uh, in, in certain circumstances to a division of assets you know the, the farm etc um, uh, could arise um, but uh, that's all done by an act of the Oireachtas and the, the five year period for instance is lessened in the case of a couple that have children to two years and the Oireachtas has also provided that a, a people who want to cohabit can, um, uh, if they choose, um, they can uh, come to an agreement, a written agreement between themselves uh, that the uh, provisions of the Act in relation to rights to maintenance and rights to each other's property uh, will not apply to their their cohabitation. That's something where the Iraqis has uh, retained control of the the issue. But if you say simply that... um, uh, uh, Enduring, uh, sorry, durable relationships, uh, uh, as decided by the courts, will also constitute a family. You're effectively giving to the um, courts um, the right to determine the uh, the shape of families in future, and I believe that that should be uh, kept for the Iraqis to do. So that's the other uh, that's the other constitutional amendment. I think both of these amendments are um, driven by an ideology. Which is, um, you know, it's uh, how would I put it? It's a, it's a, a, a non-gender specific ideology. The only reference to mother in the constitution is now to be taken out, um, and uh, instead of the um, uh, the, the mother's uh, role in 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 the family being recognised, we're now being told that uh, the state will recognise family care, mm. but it doesn't give. I mean, for instance, the care referendum won't give any rights to any carer and it won't give any rights to any person who needs care it's just it's just a, an aspiration that the state will strive uh, to assist carers um, but i mean at, at the moment there's nothing to stop it from doing that absolutely uh, somebody said great to hear mr mcdougall on the radio speaking sense uh, this caller said and another caller has said to us here today and uh, would you please ask um mr mcdougall is he very frustrated the speed with which you went through the two houses of the Oireachtas, um, because he's in the Shannon, and why why was it let happen like this? Well, the government decided. Well, um, the government has a majority in both houses, and they uh, they 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 um, set out a guillotine motion in both both um, in both houses, and what that means is that uh, all of the debate on the actual text of the bill, which usually goes through a, a third, fourth, and fifth stage is um, simply uh, swept aside. And although TDs and senators had amendments in, um, their amendments were do- weren't even actually voted on. And what happens is that at the end of the three-hour period, uh, the House uh, um, is asked to decide a single question, and that is that the uh, that the bill, as, as originally put up before by the government, is um, 
is uh, accepted and passed by the House and that all, all amendments uh, to it fall except amendments that the government uh, itself uh, mm. wants, which in this case was none. And uh, the House's, the bill is deemed to uh, pass through all three stages by one um, uh, split-second vote, and that's what a guillotine uh, motion is. So, of course, I'm frustrated by that. Yeah. Um, it's very, very wrong that we should change our constitution uh, by such a process, and it's even more wrong. Um, when it's the the only reason that uh, that there was any fuss or, or bother or hurry about this was because somebody in government buildings decided that it would be symbolic to have these two amendments to the constitution voted on on the eighth of March, which is International Women, International Women's Day. Mm. Listen, thank you for joining us, Senator Michael McDowell, uh, today, and thank you indeed, uh, Keith. Great to hear Mr. McDowell explain in layperson's terms what this referendum means. You said correctly that for anyone at home listening to us and uh, dealing with this, uh, with a very difficult situation, this referendum will change nothing. The Constitution is fine. This cost of this farce referendum uh, would help an awful lot of people in their homes. I'm voting no for one. All right, good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. One of the great success stories in Galway, indeed, has been the Burke family and Chanel Veterinary. is now known as Chanel Pharma. And I remember, indeed, back in, well, it had to be mid-80s, just before we got married, let's say, 84, 85, and when it was uh, founded in uh, Lachray as uh, Chanel Veterinary at the time, now Chanel Pharma. Uh, but Michael Burke joins me on the line because... He's founder and managing director of Chanel Pharma and uh, he has decided to uh, vacate the seat indeed and um, he joins you on the line today. Michael, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good to talk to you. Congratulations, by the way. You've worked extremely hard since you were a child. I did. I did. I did. Um, That was just, uh, you know, I always wanted to work hard, whatever I was doing. And uh, I wanted to do it well and um, give my full commitment. And that's what I learned from my mum, I guess. Yeah. You lost your dad at a very young age, so you did. So um, I did. You, you I had did. to put your shoulder to the wheel then. Absolutely. 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 No. Um, and um, th- thank you for that. And a native of East Galway, um, again, education and all that went with it in Garibaldi and, and all that went with it. Uh, and when did the idea come then for um, Chanel? I, I I remember it as Chanel Veterinary, and I still call it that. So apologies if I do it a few times. But when did the idea for that come? Well, I qualified as a vet, and I was a vet for ten and a half years. And uh, probably after six or seven years, I wanted to get involved in 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 business in in the veterinary. And I set up the first animal health centre in, in in Ireland. And then I put three vans and three reps in the road. And then I bought the Westphalian cotton factory, and I started manufacturing there in the first of May, nineteen eighty five, with two people. So that was uh, the start of the the, the business for, for me. Now, nineteen eighty five times were fairly tough, so they were. Um, <laughs> it, it, life wasn't wonderful in the late seventies and early eighties. It was. It was. I went to college in Dublin and had a fantastic time, and it was brilliant. But um, then, when I qualified, I had to work very hard because I took over a practice after three, four months out of college, so it was a baptismal of fire. And uh, the gentleman went to hospital and came home from hospital and sold me the practice. Wow. And it was only after four or five months qualified. 
Oh, what, what a big jump to take at such a young age. I know, I know, I know. And, uh, and at that time, I was working 15, 17 hours a day, you know. And uh, and I did that for a couple of years, and then I, I got in help, and uh, we, we grew the practice. And... Uh, and and uh, and then I got into the the animal health mm. sphere, you know, which was really what I wanted. But you made a huge impact in it, and you went on to become Chanel Pharma, as we know. You, you called the business after your daughter. No, no, no. no. Or did you call your daughter uh, after we, the business? Yeah, my my <laughs> wife and I bought a house in Lachray. Yeah. In 1971, and there was a boutique in it called Chanel. Get away. So that's 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 where the name came from. Nineteen seventy one, you're so familiar about the house. Yeah. And the yeah. house the house is called Chanel. So is yeah. that is, the, is that where Chanel started? It, it it is really. It is. And that was that was the basis. But the the, the, the boutique and, and the house was called Chanel and uh, we bought the house and uh, we we kept the name, we thought it was a nice name. Well, your wife and I share the same hairdresser, so we do. So we have something in in common. Uh, <laughs> good, <laughs> good, so good, I get I get, I get the luck Ray scandal if I bump into her in in Air Street. Uh, um, oh, good. From good. Se- from seventy one to eighty five and onwards. Then from there, um, did you ever think it would be as big as it is? No, 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 no. I mean, it just took each day as it came, and each each month, each year, and uh, you know, we tried to develop it as much as possible and. You know, we had a lot of luck on the way and, you know, and, and in fairness, it was a very easy ride because we had literally no problems and no financial problems. And I invested what I made the previous year. And that was my strategy to try and be debt free. Um, again, I mean, you're, you're looking at a workforce currently of about 730 people in Ireland, the UK and Europe and Jordan there as well. Uh, but I know some yeah. people who worked with you. You worked them hard. You taught them hard. I, but you pay yeah. them. You pay them well. Yeah. Look, we have a tremendous. Uh, the 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 biggest asset we have is our people, and the people are amazing that work for us, and they're absolutely fantastic. And there's a great culture in the company, and um, we we like everybody to get on together, and we provide a lot of training courses, and if they want to do degrees or whatever. We we uh, we we pay for that as well, and you know extra educational mm. uh, courses, and uh, you know it it just works well, and in and I always say it costs nothing to be nice, yeah, and and uh, which I try to be as nice as I can to the people that work for me, you know. But but also, I mean, you you were, you were very maybe not just now, but you were very hands on. So you were you you worked all the hours that God gave you. I did absolutely, absolutely. Now and even this morning, I was up at half five. I didn't have to be, but you know, I I still have two months to do in this position, and um, I want to leave it in good hands. And again, will there be major changes, or will will it just go as is with the current management team? Or is that a fair question, Michael? To ask? No, it's it's a good question because they're going to put a lot of money into it, uh, particularly in R and D. And uh, they want to grow the business. Uh, they're a very ambitious company. And I think they will do a tremendous job here in Loch Ray. And I think it will be excellent for the staff as well. Mm. Because they, they want to grow the business. That's what they're interested in. And that's why they bought us. 
And can I ask you, just in relation to yourself then, I mean, I, I can't see you fully, no more to myself, I can't see you fully retiring and doing nothing. Well, I'll tell you, I, I found it hard for the last couple of years and uh, I decided about two and a half years ago that I was going to sell the company and um, I, I have absolutely no regrets. I'm ready to retire and spend more time with my wife and uh, we just want to rest up for a couple of months and uh, just take it easy. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it and I know it was the right decision and right now I have absolutely no regrets. Well, it's the right decision for you, it's the right decision for, for all of you indeed, and it's, when you make the decision, it's the right decision, but then it's to yeah. um, to have the, the health and the happiness to to enjoy life after. Yeah, yeah, and, and look, if you haven't the health, you have nothing, you no. know what I mean? And uh, while I can, I want to, you know, spend more time with my wife and, and uh, go a few places and, you know, take it easy. Where would you like to go? Where would you, what's on your bucket list? Um, well, I had planned uh, to, to go to Hawaii this year because I thought the company would be sold, but it wasn't. And uh, for, for the, uh, just to, to look and be a, a spectator on the, on the golf, uh, it's a, an area that I, I would love to go to. And there's a great golf competition on every Christmas. Mm. And uh, everyone that wins a tournament in the world gets an invite. And um, that's one of the places I want to go. And are you a good golfer? No, I'm not. I'm a very bad golfer, <laughs> but my wife, my wife is a good golfer. <laughs> I, I don't have time for playing golf, but hopefully I will now going forward. And then there's two of us. I, I, I did. Yeah, tried, I tried. Yeah, I tried yeah. it once, and I nearly killed the starter with the ball. So I, I, I stopped from there. Yeah. Lord rest his soul. Yeah. He's no longer with us. Congratulations to you. You've left a great legacy behind. And uh, to your family, to Lockray as well. And to be honest, if you c could quantify the amount of money that you've put into Lockray and the local businesses with all the people you've employed, it must be tremendous. Ah, it is. And look, at, I, I'm delighted it's good for Lockray, you know, because, you know, we, we have we have 21 nationalities here and a lot of them live in Lockray. And um, they they spend obviously quite a bit of money in Lockray and, and that's fantastic for the local community and the local shopkeepers and pubs etc and uh, I'm delighted with that uh, Congratulations uh, to Michael, you're a great man and well deserved and somebody else has come in here on the left hand side and said a fine Colemanstown man uh, best wishes to Michael and uh, Mary and all the family and uh, lots of good wishes coming in for you, Michael, I have to say today. Just, okay. Uh, so listen, enjoy enjoy retirement, but enjoy the next couple of months as well. Uh, so what date will. Will, will you finish up on? And uh, ju Just about the second week of April. Second week in April. The two of us are going yeah. out the same time. We're both retiring the same time, so we are. So I, that's what I heard this morning. And, uh, and congratulations to you as well and wish you every happiness in your retirement. Well, I, I know more than you now. I won't be retired, retired, but I will certainly be uh, taking it. Uh, those early mornings um, will be nice not to have to get up. Come here to me. Somebody yeah. just said, did you meet Muhammad Ali? I did. I spent uh, I spent an evening with him in his bedroom. Um, we, we spent an hour in his bedroom, and then it was the evening of the Tyson-Bruno fight, and he said to me, he says, um, come on down to the ring, because we were staying in the Hilton Hotel. Get away. And uh, and he, he, so we walked down with him, um, down right through the hotel, 
and a huge hotel and he got a standing ovation and there I was beside beside him and it was uh, it was uh, one of the highlights of my career. Well uh, done. It was amazing. Well done. What I do admire about you is the energy that you have and um, I hope that energy stays with you. Uh, but Michael Burke, thank you so much for joining us uh, today in regards to all of the family indeed uh, this morning as well. And well done to what you've, on what you've achieved and uh, well done just for being you as well. Quick commercial break. We're back just after these. We're going to kind of be sticking with chemicals next. Stay tuned. <laughs> Now, send us in some photographs. We've got some lovely light dusting of snow in Milltown. So we have, we've got another shed in Milltown that's uh, covered in snow as well. So send them in to us on 86 Joe Byrne has been on to us as well, Councillor Joe Byrne, because we mentioned this when we were in Kinvara two Fridays ago. Uh, but Councillor Joe Byrne is inviting you to a coffee morning in aid of Gort uh, Cancer Support Group. Uh, it's on tomorrow, Friday the 9th of February, uh, from 9am until 12 noon. It's taking place in the Pier Head in Kinvara, and every penny that's donated on the day uh, will go directly to the team from Gort Cancer Care Support, and they need every penny possible. Uh, so if you're in and around um, the um, Kinvara area, Pier Head tomorrow, park responsibly, and Mike Burke and his team are going to look after you like royalty in there, as will Councillor Joe Byrne. He might even give you a bar of a song. He's known for the odd bar of a song, but might be too early at um, 11 a.m. or 12 noon. Maybe it should be night time. I'm sure maybe it'll go on all day as well. But anyway, schedule for 9 to 12 tomorrow. Now, let me move on today because I want to go to the MEP Maria Walsh. who joins me on the line uh, because there's concerns, and, and we spoke about this before with her, but um, she's been working tirelessly in relation to pesticides, and uh, she joins me on the line today. MEP Maria Walsh, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith, and good morning from the European Parliament in Strasbourg. What's the weather like there today? Because we've got snow here and it's cold. Uh, it's a little bit overcast, like a traditional uh, March day in Ireland. Uh, that's the type of weather, but it's it, it doesn't... I, I've already spoken to my folks in Shrill. It doesn't seem as bad uh, here as it is there, unfortunately. And yeah. it's not too bad in the city, I must say. It's, it's just wet and cold. Mm-hmm. Come here, the withdrawal of the EU pesticide policy is going to come as a relief to Irish farmers. A lot of work has been put into this by you and by others on this one. Yes, um, and it, it, it comes as a welcome um, simply because of, uh, well, we've been, we've been following the news and uh, the, the frustration by farmers right across Europe uh, in the last weeks and months. Um, this, uh, what it's called, is the Sustainable Use Regulation, so working with pesticides. Uh, the ambition, the original ambition, was to reduce the use of chemical pesti- pesticides by at least 50% across the EU by 2030. Um, and we've seen now, uh, led by the President, Commissioner Savandaline, uh, that has been paused, uh, which is certainly welcomed. Um, and, and, and her commentary on it this earlier this week is allowing farmers, based off cost of living, based off other policy uh, barriers, uh, in some cases welcomed in many others, um, the fact that uh, we're having issues with climate in terms of uh, extreme weathers um, and farmers across the EU need to see some sort of relief in legislation and the amount that's coming through. So I certainly welcomed it. Um, and so, and it was a long time coming. 
What does it mean on the ground, can I ask you, for those that yeah. may be listening to us this morning? Pardon the pun now on well, the ground. But that's, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah. No, but um, but anybody, anybody listening, so it's a case of chemical pesticides originally, I mean, we know it's a huge problem um, that if you're, you've been working with a certain chemical on the ground as a farmer or rural, uh, uh, rural uh, dweller, uh, but equally community groups who've been doing a lot within tiny towns or, or cemeteries, they've been using certain chemicals. And ultimately the aim was originally set that we would reduce them, that you would have one chemical uh, taken off the market uh, and, a, and a less burdensome to the climate or biodiversity put on the market and unfortunately we're just not seeing that transition that movement of of one versus the other Mm -hmm. Uh, that's one thing the other is the fact of i mean we can take away all the 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 brussels or strasbourg terminology ultimately the amount of uh, of legislation we've talked many times before keith on this coming down to our ag community is just is so intense um and this is a stop to that not removing any of our other objections around uh meeting climate ambitions and our goals and our farmers are are, are i think sick to the teeth telling people that uh they're for the climate they work in the climate every other day uh all day every day i should say um but this is just we keep changing the goalposts and this is just one stop of movement in that goalpost to allow people to catch their breath. Uh, And when we come back into the next mandate, uh, perhaps we will rebuild, but ultimately until we have other things in place, like like, uh, you would hope the impact on uh, the war in in Ukraine against uh, farmers and, and the price of of, of doing their business, uh, we've better stabilization in the market that they get more uh, money for their product that they're producing. Uh, and we have much more balance with consumers buying. And, and, and as we prep for the next common agriculture policy development, that we're not putting more ties onto them, that we're actually doing uh, the cap process is fit for a purpose, that they're getting the money to make food at a, at a reasonable price versus doing all these other things. It, farming is very complicated currently and very expensive indeed. And, uh, at the end of the day, people are, are trying to get young people into farming and succession plans and trying to keep the, the farm within the family unit and all of that. But w- with all of the regulation that's coming out of Europe, and we see the protests that are going on uh, in Galway, indeed, by the IFA and others, with all the regulation that's coming out of Europe, do they realise the impact that they're having on keeping people in farming and bringing people into farming? Yeah, I got to give credit where credit due. The EPP group, which which is where we, uh, as Finnegal, sit and have sat for many many years, um, uh, coined in Brussels as the farmers' party. So we we really work to bring the farmers' voice into uh, all all forms of legislation. But, but then why, have, why, are they, why are they protesting then, MEP Maria Walsh? Yeah, if, if no, you're doing no. Your I mean, to, to that point, party. when you when you ha- yeah, to that point when you have an ambitious uh, when you have an ambitious commission. Uh, when you have uh, a change in governments in many other member states, not just Ireland, but across the the 26 other member states, Uh, when you have a quite divided now parliament. uh, uh, I mean, to that point, nobody, and I've I've never come across a farmer, young or old, uh, seasoned or or new, who has said things that they, they they don't believe the... The movement of protecting biodiversity, healthier soils is is creating big division. It's just the speed of which and the fact that we continuously change the goalposts. And as I sh- shared earlier, that that common agriculture policy, that pot of money that is to support income 
is simply being watered away, excuse the pun, by other environmental asks. So you see the nature restoration law, which is quite contentious. We voted on it uh, uh, last uh, late last year. Uh, it comes to a plenary vote here uh, in a couple of weeks um, at the end of February. That will move through, but ultimately within that is calling for additional sustainable funding for all these other asks versus putting further asks on farmers to produce food, to have healthier soils, to have farm safety in place, to have succession plan in place, to have their mental health checked, um, and to do so under one pot of money. It's simply not sustainable uh, financially, and their income uh, is has been watered down, excuse my pun. But there's a number of other things coming down um, that at this point is very late into debate and are, are going to come through that will, to many farmers, feel like another burden. But you've got to also remember we have periods of transposition where, what I mean by that for those listening, it will come out of the parliament, there will be a number of years, three to four to five years before it comes into national law. And then we have time then to make sure it's tweaked and suitable for those on the ground. So a lot of things that EPP group have been calling, my colleagues in Finnegale have been updated assessments on water quality, uh, nature restoration or uh, Nature 2000 updates in terms of what has worked, what hasn't. Speaking with farmers on the ground, not just farm organisations, but farmers on the ground to see what is working, what's not. Not just uh, season experts, but as well as those okay. who are coming in and then making sure all of those points are in place before the before the law comes into action. All right, listen, we better let you back into business, but thank you for joining us. I mean, P. Maria Walsh uh, joining us on the line there. Uh, Michael Burke is a wonderful man and much admired man as well, this caller said, for his ambition. Uh, I hope he's very happy in retirement. His sister Carmel, um, um, RIP, was married to my cousin Joe Blehan and uh, Paula Blehan Flynn uh, from there. Well, make sure you rest in peace as well. Other comments coming in to us uh, today. Congratulations to Michael Burke on uh, what he's achieved in life. And well done to him. And uh, can I, oh yeah, just something that that has kind of bothered me, but I see now they've put up a sign on it as well. Um, but if I'm coming from the shopping centre, turning right into Sandy Road here, the junction here, which seems to be working very well, but the right-hand junction, if you don't pull up to the line, you won't activate the sensor um, to turn right. So you, if you don't pull straight up to the line, so you're coming out, up by Dunn's doors, on the right-hand get into the right-hand lane, indicate to turn right into Lisbon Estate or to come up into Sandy Road. If you don't pull up to the, uh, the, the wire up to the line and the sensor sees you there, you'll never get the green light. Twice this week, uh, I had to get out of the car because I was second car. Uh, twice this week, I had to get out and go up. The first was to a lady who was in a Skoda car. And I'd say we were seven, eight, nine minutes there waiting, but she was about six foot back from where she should have been. So I went up, knocked on the window. I said, I, I frightened the life out of her. And I said, will you please pull up at the sensor if you don't mind? And uh, yesterday evening, I was coming back here and lo and behold, there was a van in front of me, not from Galway, turning right, but way back, way back from the sensor. So after about two minutes, I said, I'm not sitting here again. So I went up and I knocked to the window, frightened the life out of the man in question. And I said, well, you pull up to the sensor. And the minute he pulled up to the sensor, uh, we got the right and uh, green light to go. So just, I see now those, this morning when I was coming in, I came in that way this morning, they have a little, tiny little sign, pull up to the line uh, to get the green light. But it's only up since yesterday. I didn't see it before then. Uh, so it must have been put up since yesterday. So somebody else must have been complaining about it or giving out about it. But we'd ask you just pull up to the line, if you don't mind, uh, when you're turning right. And likewise, if you're coming down Borna Drav and you want to turn right out the Headford Road, pull up to the um, sensors there. 
we can't keep blaming the traffic lights if we don't drive properly ourselves and staying about 10 or 15 feet back from that line is not going to help anybody and I think it just um, kind of annoys people then from there uh, Keith um, I told you yesterday there's a deep pothole on the road opposite Craig Castle in Kerndulla near Peggy's pub uh, could you please get someone to go and fill it if you don't mind we'll throw an old bag of sand in the back of the car after the programme we'll go down we'll Steph and John Morley go down and spread it I'm joking. Uh, the council are active in that area, very active. The council um, people are very active in that area. So we'll put a call into the council and get them to uh, see can they fix it. In the next hour, by the way, we are uh, moving on today. We're also looking at a centre for excellent for GA, Galway GAA, for Camogie, the LGFA. And um, it's, they're exploring all of this in the site of Galway Airport. We'll be looking at that. Also, indeed, I see where Mark gotcha is moving from Galway GA indeed to Crow Park. We'll be looking at that. And Dave O'Connell joins us with today's Connectivian headlines and much more between now and the end of today's programme. So do stay with us right through until 12 midday. Just don't go anywhere else. And now that's 10 o'clock. Time for us to, well, it's four minutes to 10. Time for us to go to the news and uh, join the team there.